Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 150, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist! Yeah! A production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the oh. Koch brothers, fuck Fox News, oh. fuck Rush Limbaugh, oh, fuck Buck Sexton, oh. fuck Ben Shapiro, oh, no. and fuck Tucker Carlson. Oh. It's Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Blinded by Jack's thighs. Woke up, took a deuce, turned on the zeitgeist in the morn. Uh, that is courtesy of at Minty Fresh Girl. Uh, at Minty Fresh Girl 2, actually, on Twitter. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. Back to life. Back to the zeitgeist. Back to life. Back to the side, guys. Back here with Shaq and Miles. Oh, yeah. Show me what is in your search history. Maybe we could tell some jokes with you. Whatever's underrated. Whatever's <laughs> overrated. Whatever's underrated. Whatever's overrated. Thank you so much to add Dad Hound for yeah. the soul to soul back to life. Uh, inspired AK and re- in but also 90s. but he this person was very clear said the real one not the one from belly okay but shout out to that opening in belly where they got the contacts in at the nightclub and they're moving to the club like goons with the acapella version of the song I don't know if you remember that I don't they robbed no. the, the first scene in belly when they're going through the nightclub and they they, they robbed the nightclub and they have like the white masks they put on. It's all blue. Uh, but uh, it's black only light. the acapella. It's yeah, just the yeah. vocals from mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. or it's a different it's, acapella group. A it's college them, acapella it's them group doing it, but it's a, you know people. There's a, it's a very contentious about what their version is. But yeah, we respect yeah. this one. Shout out to at Dad Hound. I have Belly didn't use as many college acapella groups probably as I <laughs> as I suspected. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Miles, it's great to have you back. Mm. How, how are you? How have you been? Great to be back. You know, did a lot of looking in the mirror, uh, talking to my therapist, uh, t- mm. taking in the heat, you know, all kinds of things. Just just recharging, ready to yeah, yeah. go into the final two months of this election uh, with uh, honor and integrity and strength. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our that should be our new uh the daily zeitgeist honor integrity, integrity strength. strength yes uh yeah what was the what was the peak temperature you experienced i i hit 117 on an errand yeah uh, uh one i was outside and when it was like 112 where the players dwell uh it oh, was pretty nice. yeah it was pretty hot but it was nice i kind of just sat out there smoked a blunt and let the sun hit me and just i felt like a lizard just kind of sunny yeah. out there on the rocks and then i was like very yeah. quickly was like okay there's only so much a human body this can is take. deadly uh well we are thrilled to be joined by the brilliant and talented maurice cherry Welcome. Hey. hey. I didn't know if I could chime in earlier, so I've been laughing silently over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to lie. Were you laughing, though? Come on, be real. Very, <laughs> impre- very impressive soul to soul rendition, by the way. Thank I you. Know, good. Right? Do you know, are you familiar with the acapella version that was in the opening of the, the Hype Williams film, Belly? I am because my best friend from college fucking loves Belly. There you go. He loves that movie. So yeah. I've seen it an inordinate amount of times. So I know the one he's talking about. Okay, good, good, good to know, good to know. Yeah, I was, I remember I, I, the first date I went on off of MySpace 
was because this woman had Belly listed as one of her favorite movies. I was like, you really like Belly? And she's like, yeah, fool. Like, Sincere is one of my favorite characters. I'm like, what about Keisha, though? She's like, a queen. And I was like, let's go on a date. Uh, and it ended terribly. <laughs> Turns out one movie directed by one of the most prolific hip-hop video directors as Common Ground isn't the basis for a strong romantic relationship when you're in your early huh. 20s. But you know what? You live and you learn. Maurice, how are you doing? Where are you, where are you uh, coming to us from? I am in Atlanta, Georgia, the soon-to-be-next COVID-19 hotspot, most likely. But I think that could probably be for any place that people went to over Labor Day weekend, but here in particular. Oh, was there Did, a lot going on? Were people out and about? Well, so Labor Day weekend in Atlanta is kind of affectionately known as the clusterfuck. And mm. uh, pre-pandemic, back when the world was open, uh, there would be at least a dozen events here, book festivals. There's a... Big science fiction convention here called Dragon Con. There's Black Gay Pride. There's a number of sporting events, et cetera. And of course, because of the pandemic, a lot of those events have either like went online or they've been canceled or postponed or something. That didn't stop people from coming here. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to have another big flare up. But it's been so weird in Georgia because we have had so little time to be locked down, so to speak. We really only had mm -hmm. about three weeks in April. Um, so it's been like this very weird kind of, I don't know, at least for me, it's felt like this weird tension in the city because a lot of places still aren't open, but you know, the cases are still rising and people are still coming here and it's like, the virus is still out there, y'all. Like it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard for people to sort of like separate their human body and like socializing needs with the reality of the pandemic. I mean, in LA, the beaches were packed. Because yeah. on top of it, we have a heat wave and not everybody has can get cool immediately. So, yeah, the beach looks like a pretty good solution. But you you get the crowds going. It's yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a hard, hard uh, period, I think, no matter where. Highest temperature in the history of L.A. County over the weekend. Oof. Wow. Uh, yeah. 121. So. All right, Maurice, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about. We're going to talk about the fact that the globally, we're kind of going through that same conflict. Uh, the Olympics, IOC is just like, yeah, we're going to we're going to do the Olympics. So mm -hmm. uh, they're pushing through to that. We're going to talk about Trump campaign funds. Uh, we people haven't been paying a ton of attention to to that because of the many rings, circus, many alarm fire uh, that he kind of keeps stoked in the background uh, to keep us distracted. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the results of Sturgis. Keep rolling in. <laughs> We're going to talk about claims of connections between forest fires and climate change because that's un being disputed a little bit. That, that uh, one is feeding the other? That one is feeding the other. It's, mm. it's interesting because okay. it's not like a total uh, plant for the oil industry who's disputing it, but his uh, the what his complaint is a little bit overblown. Right, so we'll, we'll it's actually a plant that. for clean coal. <laughs> right, he's actually really into <laughs> the one. nuclear energy. Uh, which <laughs> does very get safe, a bad very rap, safe, very safe, but, very safe. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, gender reveal parties and life inside Ellen's home. Uh, oh no, that's a thing. People found out. Yeah, yeah. Her uh, some of the, some of her household staff have uh, come out <sighs> and talked about what what that's like. And uh, let's just say it involves uh, her planting matchsticks in 
places to make sure that the they've been cleaned. Pu- yeah, that the staff is cleaning there. Oh uh, boy, love it. Yeah, that's like some Joan Crawford, yeah, like dearest kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Is there anything about hangers, wire hangers, or anything like that as well? Just to fully complete that circle, there's like a list, a daily <laughs> list of complaints uh, that includes stuff like uh, you served this food in the wrong dish, like that that should have been in this bowl rather than the bowl you served it to be. Oh in. boy! Um, so you know, just all sorts of interesting things. Uh, so we'll get to all that plenty more, but first, Maurice, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Oh, that's revealing about who I am. Uh, yeah. Well, today I was looking up Moo Paper Masks. Um, mm. There's a printing company. Printing company is called Moo. They make, you know, business cards, stickers, stuff like that. And they sent this email out. They're like, oh, we're now making paper masks. I'm like, why would you have a paper mask? Like, paper gets wet. That seems very ineffective <laughs> for a mask. And so I Googled it to kind of see what they were talking about. And they're like, oh, well, we we cut the sides in an accordion fashion for ease and comfort. And I'm like, but it's a paper mask. They even say it's not medical grade, nor is it PPE. So why are you selling 25 <laughs> packs of them? Is it just capitalism? It's really kind of weird and stupid. Yeah. yeah. This is so I'm looking at the mask. It It almost seems like a joke, like a parody of itself. Yeah. Like. It it does feel that way. It, it's very weird. It feels like a BuzzFeed article where it's like, if you had like really good crafting scissors, it's like how you could turn a greeting card into fake ass PPE. And it's just like, I'm like, dude, I don't know what it's catching or just looks like it's just probably redirecting the germs up or down. Like there's no. Ugh. And they're like, oh, you can recycle it. Like, yeah, I'm going to recycle this spittle soaked paper mask. <laughs> Why? It's right. ridiculous. Yeah, it's really something. Is Moo like a popular company? Because I know, look, you're you're a designer. You're in that space. So I'm like, Moo, I never heard of that. Is, are they like a pretty big company? <laughs> um, I don't know if they're big, but I think they are pretty well known, uh, largely because of the different kind of sizes of business cards they have. So one size that they have that I've used, I don't know, for at least 10 years now, it's almost like the size of a pack of chewing gum. Like it's a small mini card. Oh, and you can kind of just whip it out to people like, aha, here's my right, card. Right, right, right. Um, and back when I really had my studio running, I would get those cards made and they would look like those uh, those like key ring lunch things that you would get where if you take it into a deli or something, they'll stamp it or punch a hole in it or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would do that for like repeat customers. I'd like mark off a little X on the back because oh, nice. the name of my studio was Lunch. And so we kind of played into all of the kind of foodie aspects of it. But uh, I think it's well known because of that. I mean, they do postcards and stickers and stuff like that, but yeah. they're mostly known I mean, for I- those little bitty cards. I'm like the last person to know about anything to do with paper goods. So I don't, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I don't know about them. <laughs> um, it is when you go to moo.com, the, the front page of their site is people wearing these masks. Uh, and they're saying, we love paper. So when we wanted to make a more breathable mask option, you can guess where our heads went. Yep. And here it is a comfortable yeah but sturdy paper mask that's fully recyclable. So I, it does seem like they are definitely walking that line uh, because so it's uh, then it has like four bullet points, thoughtfully designed, five versatile colors made with planet friendly recyclable paper, lightweight, breathable material. And then it 
Only then does it say, this is not a medical grade mask or item of personal protective equipment. Right. So they, they get that in at the end. Well, I guess uh, does the ones, typical cloth ones, that is that considered proper PPE or you know what I mean? Because I know like an N95 mm. is like r- truly like your sort of respirator thing. So like, you know. I mean, a- some of them, I guess if, if they put like a filter in it, maybe, but they're right, not right, right. meant to be like medical grade you know it's yeah because it's a porous material but i'm like here you're like breathing through a like a sheet of cardboard like yeah this is or <laughs> i can't be this, any better this looks like origami approximation of mask not actual mask <laughs> it looks like it looks like right. it could be good like mortal Kombat cosplay oh exactly it does yes. yeah you could yeah. be yeah you could be sub-zero the 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 one that makes people nervous at a grocery store <laughs> uh Maurice, what is something you think is overrated? Oh, God. Zoom calls, Google Meet mm. calls, basically any video call at this stage of the pandemic, I think, is completely overrated. Um, I tend to have these. I mean, I think probably everyone does it at this point. I've got a few of these that I have a week. And if I'm my philosophy of it is if I'm not getting paid for it, I'm not turning my camera on. Mm. Uh, I also have I also happen to be unemployed right now, so the camera really doesn't come on that much. I'm like, look, if I have to pick my hair out, if I have to turn my ring light on, and, <laughs> and, and that's not happening for everybody. Okay, yeah, you, you know, and there will be some, protect. and there'll be some calls that are like, oh, well, you know, well, how come you don't have? How come the camera's not on? I'm like, well, on my main computer, which is in my studio, I don't have a camera, which I sort of mentioned to y'all before, but I have one on my laptop. So if I wanted to, I could get my laptop and you know go through all of that, but. Why? Like the stuff we have to talk about, honestly, could be a phone call. It doesn't yeah. really have to be a Zoom call. It doesn't have to be a Google Meet call. I know those sort of stepped up as the default as the pandemic started to kind of, you know, go on in the in the spring going into the summer. But like the phone works, too. We can just do yeah. that. It's it is funny. I think like part of it, too, is subconsciously it helps make things feel slightly more elevated because you're like, yeah, it could be a phone call. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it probably should be. Based on yeah. the, we just need to communicate with words and not our facial expressions to say I we need to do X Y and Z. But there is something where it's like, oh, it's okay. So we'll do a Zoom call, you know, because we can't meet anymore. Or do these other things. I feel like it somehow makes things feel a little more formal. But at the end of the day, it's like we're achieving the same thing on a phone call, no? Yeah, but like right. everything now looks like a Zoom call. Like <laughs> media stuff is looking like Zoom calls, TV, or yeah, Instagram yeah. lives, television. Like it's all. I don't know. I'm I'm a bit overrated by video i think video in general right now is a bit overrated for your aesthetically oriented mind what do you how do you how do we how do how can we elevate this you know like what would be less boring to you is it is it the angles is it because everyone's sort of doing this same sort of like laptop facing (laughs) thing do we need to put a camera in the corner make it feel a little more like verite i don't know (laughs) i mean i think it's because you know zoom and i guess meet by proxy i mean these are these are enterprise level conferencing tools. Like they're meant for work. And so the thing right. is that you've taken a work tool and now I've tried to make it into an everything tool. Now it's right. a happy hour. It's a gym. It's a daycare. It's, you know, it's all this other stuff now. And even zoom, the company has had to sort of like step it up in terms of encryption and a number of different other features to try to meet this now big consumer market that they have, because they really just used to be for businesses. Now it's for everybody. Um, I don't know a good way to, I guess, make it better. Although I have to say, you know, if you're talking about events, because now, you know, the stars are sequestered and such in their homes and whatnot. But, you know, when you look at sort of award shows and video events and stuff, I know the VMAs just happened recently and they sort of had like a mix of 
live action and recorded sort of stuff, which was, yeah, it was okay. I think it worked. I think the the kind of like creepy audience applause and silhouettes <laughs> right. that they had in the background was a little kind of like Black Mirror-ish, but yeah. uh, I think they did okay. But like the best implementation of it that I've seen where it's like a good mix of recorded and distance sort of thing has been the BET Awards. Like it's hands down the best one that I've seen so far this year that like has gotten it right because there's always going to be, I think some kind of like tech issue or, or something to that effect. But like, it's hard to get over the fact that everything now looks like a weird version of Hollywood squares because <laughs> right. you just can't right. like escape that. You can't escape the grid. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a horror movie that comes out within the next year and a half based on that concept. But yeah. Oh, God, I, mean, I feel bad for the de- the development people at studios who are just going through piles of quarantine inspired material now. <laughs> right. What do we do now? What do we do with all these quarantine right. concepts? I feel like the Zoom thing is also being pushed by people who thrive on meetings or, you know, they, I feel like the the quarantine and like work from home movement has made it evident that a lot of things that used to be meetings could have been quick phone calls or emails mm-hmm. uh, and people like there there's a pushback. There's a, a reaction to that where people are like, well. We gotta, we gotta have a workplace. We gotta, right. We gotta, gotta have a HR department, that, right? Uh, has happy hours. There's also that like terrible culture of like productivity that's just hammered into American people's minds, where it's like you gotta oh, be productive. Yeah. How productive are you being? Pro-? And then working from home, sort of, actually, for some people, you realize how much more efficient you are, and then you have time, and you're like, oh fuck, I need to do a Zoom call or something. Or I need to do this because like <laughs> yeah. I'm right. efficient now, but I, but, but I need to be productive and you're like yeah well you happen to do that in two-thirds of the time or you know seven-eighths of the time i mean my heart really goes out to parents right now that are having to kind of do the distance learning through zoom uh because that just adds a whole other dimension to this because now you're having to kind of get your your child or your not, not your toddler but like you have to get your child to kind of sit in front of this computer added screen time in order to learn but then now there's all these rules that may have taken place in school that now have to apply to the home when school is active, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like I've seen stuff on Twitter where uh, teachers have been like, oh, well, if you're going to be in school from home, you have to wear shoes. Like the kid's at home. If the kid's not wearing <laughs> shoes, unless they're putting their feet to the right. camera, I don't see what the issue is. Or like, oh, they have to dress up, no onesies or something. I was reading something in the Washington Post today about how – um a kid had like a toy gun. Yeah, and they called the police on him. And they called and the school called the police on the kid at home. Like because he had a nerf uh, gun. Yeah. It was a nerf gun. It was so a it fucking it was like orange. Was a... No, this did not look like some, you know, like he had a blammer on him and he was like flashing a <laughs> camera. It was a fucking toy nerf gun. Like, and you see this right there, like there's like this new level of Nerf gun where people can like custom make them and kind of get a little mm-hmm. like nerd out on them. And this is what that was like that kid's hobby. Like he he had like his wall of Nerf guns that he made and he was like really happy about them. And it's just like a kid, just a fucking toy. But again, his child is black. Not I'm sure I'm curious what would have happened if a white child was waving their Nerf gun in front mm-hmm. of it. But it was just mm-hmm. another, you know, uh, just just terrible, Jesus dumb Christ. story about being like, oh, let's just harass this child just because. But yeah. Zoom calls, video calls, all that stuff, completely overrated. Boom. What is something you think is underrated? Aha! So, I think, and and I'm only saying this now because now I'm sort of getting to the point where I'm 
trying to find stuff to do during the day. Um, lesser known streaming services are highly, highly underrated. Walk with me here, gentlemen. So okay. I think yeah. we all have like a streaming stack yeah. at this point, right? Like you've got like mine is like Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, maybe Prime Video, even though, you know, sometimes there's stuff on there I want to watch, sometimes not. So like we, right. we all kind of have the ones that we go to as our defaults, but like there's so many uh, lesser known, cheaper, more kind of fringe type of of uh, streaming services that might be worth checking out based on like what your interests are. So like if you're looking for a lot of, say, like old black movies and television shows, you would go to Quelly TV. Or if you're looking for like indie films or documentaries, you'd go to Kino Now. If you want to learn some stuff, you could do Masterclass. Although I don't know if Masterclass is really lesser known, but right. I don't know if people know that you can also stream all of that stuff. Um, if you really like jazz performances, there's a streaming service by Quincy Jones called Quest TV. Like, there's a lot of lesser known streaming services out there that are pretty cheap, depending on what your kind of individual interests are. And they're not that hard to find. I think if there's a caveat to any of it is that the user interface just varies greatly. I mean... You know, we all know that Hulu sucks to kind of get around in terms of the UI, but like some of these can be a little, little choppy, but right. they either have like an Apple TV app or you can cast to your television via Chromecast. Like look at lesser known streaming services, highly, highly underrated. Yeah. Like, are you using these to replace the standard stack or are they supplementary? They're kind of uh, supplementary because, mm -hmm. I mean, right now there's not really, at least from what I can can see there's not like a ton of production stuff that's going on in terms of like new shows for the fall or whatever right right and i've you know seen a lot of people complain like oh there's not going to be new movies or this that and the other but like there's a lot of older and i'm i'm using older in a very relative term i'm talking maybe five years ago there's like a lot right. of older content from like when we were at peak too much tv that there's no way right. any one person has watched all of the movies and all of the shows and all that sort of stuff. So like I'm even having time to go back and rediscover stuff that I missed the first time around because I was probably busy doing something else. Like right now I'm watching season two of American gods. I'm like in the middle of that because I watched the first season and then didn't really get to the second one. Before that I was watching uh Greenleaf, which is the show on Netflix. Well, it's, it's from Oprah's network, the own network, but it's like this Southern black, church family drama kind of shit it's really good it's on netflix but like i'm going back now and like discovering all this stuff that i missed before and i'm like able to watch it in the vacuum of really somewhat solitude because the articles have been written about them the reviews have went out the shows yeah. have wrapped it's like oh now i can like enjoy it for what it is in its own little capsule and not have to be influenced by outside reviews or opinions yeah as a uh, as a service to our listeners, we uh, dive into whatever's trending in the Netflix top ten, just to you know let them know whether it's worth watching, if there are any ideas, philosophies buried therein. And uh, this past week, I watched Smurfs from two thousand eleven, <laughs> and it was great to have the uh, you know the entire uh, uh, critical consensus already. You know, all the scholarly articles have already been written about uh, Smurfs 2011. <laughs> so it was nice to have that body uh, all, all the way out there. What is a, what's a myth? What's something people think is true, you know, to be false or vice versa? You know, I've, I don't know if people still ascribe to the myth that 
if you eat before swimming, like you'll get cramps or something like that. I was yeah. just having this conversation over the weekend. I don't. Uh, I don't know if that myth is really well. I, well, for, personally, I know that it's not true because I've done it. But right, I think I it's a myth it that might still <laughs> it might still <laughs> it might still persist out there. I mean, it's an old school myth. Like I think it's probably put out there by Big Pool. Like yeah. you know, I think we were we were talking about this, Jack. Didn't we say it was basically Big Mom? Was trying yeah, to big mom, big, mom. big adults, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> it'd be like, yo, swim. come on, chill the fuck out for like thirty minutes before I have to right. watch you drown in the pool. Like, fucking right. wait. Exactly. I think that's what it was because bo- the one scientific thing was that just sort of the, the the digestive process would draw more blood to your stomach and like intestines, yeah. and then that may cause someone to be lightheaded. But like, in no way saying that like it is a danger to get right. in there. We don't make kids stand still after they eat for like a half hour. It's all big old guy swimming laps in the pool during yeah. adult Oh, swim. yeah, like it's an that. uncle just being like, no, 30 minutes. I'm trying to see how long I can go without taking a breath, kids. Last time I did two lengths, but you must wait 30 right. minutes. That's right. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about what is happening. And we're back, and uh, we are, as Miles mentioned, I think officially two months away Ish, from yeah. the end of the world. Um, the this <laughs> 2020 election, the presidential elections always seem like they're a big deal. This one feels especially. <laughs> this one feels uh, uh, kind of different, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little different. I don't know what is it. Why? Why wow. does this feel so different? We haven't paid a lot of attention to campaign finance because it's just seems beside the point uh i think early on there were some stories that trump was breaking all sorts of records with his campaign fundraising and then biden came in and he was beating trump uh after he got secured the nomination and now it seems like things have kind of slowed down for trump and he's having to spend his own money or he is having to think about it blowing through cash like we've we've never seen the right. there were stories over the weekend that said right now his campaign and other affiliated groups have spent over fifty eight million dollars just on legal expenses. So Whoa. that is just stuff for like them trying to you know do all kinds of things like enforce NDAs and other things like to try mm. and be you know have these sort of like intentionally uh, sort of cynical lawsuits to try and like buy themselves a little bit of time. So that bill is coming up to about fifty eight million or a little bit over that. And they're is seeing, that a, an accepted form of like spending of campaign finance? I mean, really? you may have legal things that you have to deal with, but it's like the say so. For example, among the expenses, this is from an article quote: uh, "Among the expenses paid for with campaign donations are costs for lawyers who are seeking more than one million dollars in damages from a former campaign staffer who claimed she was the target of sexual discrimination and harassment by another aide. Other costs include." Uh, costs during the Russia investigation and a lawsuit seeking to block enforcement of a California law requiring the president to release his tax returns. So that money is coming out of the campaign to like just keep the president like from being having to show his hand or his, you know, dirty laundry. So on top of that, the RNC and the campaign together have spent over eight hundred million dollars since last July. And they had a two hundred million dollar cash advantage when Biden basically became the presumptive nominee. And they're like, oh, this is well, he's got two hundred million. This is going to be something. 
But all that money would just went into the air, like with those like weird ass Super Bowl ads that they had. Apparently, Brad Parscale started a fundraising operation where people were like getting paid very well, and they were in like a very nice office. And there's just a lot of money leaving without much thought of like how it's coming back. So now we're at the point where the new he- newest headlines we've seen is Trump is now saying like maybe I'll spend a hundred million of my own. What do you guys think? Should I put a hundred million of my own? <laughs> he only put sixty six of his own in twenty sixteen. So I mean, these are the the marks of a very very desperate uh, man. And on top of that, Forbes said his net worth went down six hundred million in the last year. So mm. it's I mean I don't know. I, I you can imagine like someone like him is like he doesn't want to face legal fees coming out of this. Like he must win to just kick the can down the road a little bit longer. But yeah, there's, there's all kinds of all kinds of money going out. And the his net uh, worth going down is because so much of his money is tied up in like hotels and hotels and mm. just everything. Yeah. Big cities in general uh, are are getting hit by the coronavirus yeah. more. The it's Vancouver Trump Hotel shut down permanently. Shout out to them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like some places just like don't. They're just like I don't know what you want me to do with this building. It's like toxic to like half the people in the country, right? That's wild that he can just, you know, defend himself against the illegal things that he has done as part of his campaign. It's a, it's kind of like a little loophole he yeah. discovered in the system. There's a, a other like quotes that have come out of, you know, a lot of the stories sort of investigating what's going on with the fundraising is that a few people on the campaign are now kind of like, you know, there are some austerity measures going into place, some belt tightening that's happening. And a lot of people are like, I don't that's not a that's not a good look when we're, you know, around 60 days out from election day. Like you want to be able to be like, okay, we've, we've, we're ready to just make it rain rather than being like, okay, we gotta, we're gonna have to figure out how to stretch this out. Um, right. but I think it's, it's a testament to like all of the confusing sort of ads and, and mailers and all kinds of things that this campaign has to do to try and, you know, eke out a win by literally any means. Yeah. It's especially surprising that he's, uh, or especially bad that he's out of money when you consider that he never pays independent contractors who work for him. Uh, so it's got to, yeah. it's got to hurt. Yeah. You hate to see All it. right. Let's talk about Sturgis. We had talked about the, like some early numbers that are coming in that a hundred cases had been tied to uh, the Smash Mouth concert slash Sturgis <laughs> overall. And now, according to a new study, which tracked anonymized cell phone data from the rally, over 250,000 coronavirus cases have been tied to the 10-day event. So that's a slight increase over 100. Uh, 250,000. A quarter million. Um, That's... I I mean, in the beginning, I thought I was like, okay, obviously, this this is a super spreader event. And then it was like, okay, a, a man in his 60s in Minnesota passed away last week after contracting the virus at the rally. And now they're saying South Dakota has one of the country's highest in rates of infection because of this. Uh, it, the cost, they're saying, to public health, it's an estimated $12 billion in public health costs for this for this mm. like just sudden, I'm like, yep, there we go, quarter million cases, there you go. Try just for it. this one event? Yeah, for this, like, you know, potentially based on like the lack of insurance and what like the total cost is for 250,000 cases like this out of Jeez. nowhere could possibly be up to that. They're not saying that's what it is. Cause I was an outside group group making that yeah. estimate, but the way they describe this, 
The researchers say, quote, the Sturgis motorcycle rally represents a situation where many of the worst case scenarios for super spreading occurred simultaneously. The event was mm. prolonged, included individuals packed closely together, involved a large out of town population and had low compliance with recommended infection countermeasures such as the use of masks. Uh, Have they looked into whether uh, having all those worst case scenarios together offsets? Like, do they offset each other? Is that maybe? A, a do you think thing someone was thinking for? of it? Like the planners, like, but what if, man? Just on the off chance, everyone's <laughs> right. safe because it's so bad. Like it's so, it's, so it's bad. Like the, it's like that. It's like that Simpsons episode where like Mr. Burns has all the diseases and the doctor's showing him trying yeah. to like, push it through the door, like. It seems like you have an immunity because you have all these diseases trying to fight. That's wild. That, that, I mean, you would think they just had someone from the campaign die like a month and a half ago at a rally. Herman yeah. Cain. Yeah. 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 It's it's bad. I mean, I don't know if you, there's that channel like uh, All Gas, No Breaks. Oh, my God. I was just about to say All Gas, No Breaks. I was just about to say. Did you see the Sturgis one? Coronavirus. Fuck coronavirus. Wait, what is this? So All Gas, No Breaks, this channel, this dude goes to literally the most lit things in the country constantly, whether that's an anti-quarantine event in Sacramento to a Memorial Day hang in Michigan to Minneapolis protest to Portland. Like, he's just there. And he... You know, and he's kind of doing a very man on the street, very dry humor and just kind of letting the people make the content for him. And like yeah. between him and his camera operator and the editing, like it does its own thing. I'm sure you've seen an all gas, no breaks clip if I showed you one. But um, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, he was at the Portland protest. He was at protests in Minneapolis. He was, uh, I think, somewhere in Florida for spring break. Like he's been at all of these places where people are kind of congregating and he's just Putting the mic out there and letting people talk. It's wild. And it's these so wild. Two old bikers. His, the video for Sturgis starts off with this guy just go, making motorcycle <laughs> sounds. They're at a stage and he has a, like the host has his mask on, but he's like, all right. And this guy's just like, fuck coronavirus. And like they're talking to all these bikers. There's like one biker who's like a problematic dude who's trying to play both sides when a black guy pulls up and saying like fuck the police. And he's like, yeah, man, because they're hey, I appreciate it. Like it's all kinds of awkward. But you also see the mentality of so many people saying they're either like, well, I'm going to die either way. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And also fuck, fuck all, fuck all the liberals and socialists that are telling us to be scared was sort of like the overarching theme. But yeah, there are some people who are out there with the great sound effects, though. Yeah. Well, we will keep an eye on this uh, super spreader event and fuck coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that people who ride motorcycles are still doing like the four year olds' uh, motorcycle sounds. Like that's still cool you got to, to them. To. Well, it's- <laughs> you, you have to you have to watch it because like the guy is like I don't know. It's like that's the way his face contorts. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god well so uh the ioc uh the international olympic committee saw the what Sturgis did and was like, we will raise you uh, a global scale. How about we take this yeah. shit global, gang? Oh, yeah. uh, so obviously the 2020 Olympics, 
were canceled, although it didn't seem like it was so obvious to the IOC because it took them forever to cancel <laughs> it because of all the money that was at stake. But now uh, they are basically saying they're they're still going to get it done in 2021. Get Dude, it done in 2021. One of the heads oh, of the God. IO said, the games will start as planned on July 23rd, quote, with or without COVID, end quote. Whoa. It, it's pre- pretty sure it's going to be with COVID. Yeah. Right. Also, COVID is not a sponsor. It's not like <laughs> signing on. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> With or without you, COVID? Yeah, uh, you're not uh-huh. inviting my party, COVID. And I don't care if you're there or not. It's, <laughs> and so then an, another, you know, the the hubris and confidence coming from the IOC is really something this official goes on to say. It will be the games that, quote, conquered COVID. Uh-huh. Don't, we don't know that. We don't know that. Uh, but we you're have saying a plan. Mm, well, here's the thing. So, so now we're saying, well, what do what do experts have to say? They're saying virus experts have warned that the Olympics are unlikely to happen even in 2021, as the t- pandemic won't be contained in time, and even if developed, a vaccine would take years to reach some of the poor countries. Speculation mm. the games will be canceled had increased there. So anyway, they go on to say th- there's another official, like the Japanese sort of chief executive for the Olympics, said. Quote, if a vaccine is ready, that will be a benefit. But we're not saying we can't hold the event without it. It's not a precondition. Oh, boy. And it's still going to be in Tokyo, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't see how that's, that's really going to be possible. I know going up to the Olympics, one of the things that they were talking about as sort of a disease preventative measure was that the beds were going to be made out of paper. Uh, They're going to be like cardboard, like twin box beds i guess i don't know um not that i think that would help you know kind of stave off transmission but like you've got so many people from so many countries and i mean look olympians fuck there's gonna be so much sex and cavorting and everything going on between i mean you've got these young athletes at their peak physical prime from all over the world in one place for like two weeks yeah I mean, mm. come on. Can't stop the fucking. <laughs> I mean, did you listen to Adam Rippon episode of Las Culturistas when he was talking about the Olympic Village at the Winter yeah. Olympics? And I was like, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. It's like when they're like, wow. it can get nasty in the Olympic Village. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can only imagine. Like, and at the same time, the when you see people so cynical and you know the motivating factor in all of this is just to stave off the loss of billions of dollars, it's just reads like, oh, they really don't give a fuck. And it pains me because Tokyo is like a second home for me. Like all my Japanese family lives in the area. And the idea that it's, you know, could be ground zero for some really reckless global sporting event is really disheartening. Uh, but I have a feeling... They might have to cancel this. I, they may be like, you know, because the other thing is the shares of the Dentsu Corporation, which is like the just massive advertising firm that put together like the like the largest sponsorship package in the history of the Olympics. Their mm-hmm. stock went up like on the strength of these comments too. Hell so, yeah! Wow. You know, we all it's all a game, baby. It's all there. Everybody's holding hands. At some level. I mean, yeah. the, the the hubris of the modern Olympic Games through the IOC is well documented. Like. Mm-hmm. Every city that it's been in, there's been some kind of issue. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Atlanta. What was that like during like the development in the lead up to the 96? Were you living in Atlanta at the time? No, no, no. I wasn't. I was uh, still in Alabama at that point. I moved to Atlanta proper in 99. So like the years afterwards. But 
I mean, having lived here since then, I can't really say where the Olympics and maybe I'm speaking from a non-local point of view, but I can't really see where the Olympics on a long-term basis has done a huge amount of damage. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say there hasn't been damage. I'm sure there has been just in terms of like right. relocations and things like that. But even when the Olympics were in Atlanta, um, with Atlanta being a landlocked city, I mean, a lot of the events were in other states. Like there was stuff in Alabama, there was stuff in South Carolina, there was stuff in Florida. So everything wasn't right in the city anyway. Right, right, right. That is wild now that I think about it, that the Southeast had the Olympics like that recently. That's... uh. One of the yeah. great, great games, too. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, That's Carrie Strug's year, right? When she had the wild, yep. with her busted ankle, and then Michael Johnson was like the big 400 and 200 guy that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the gold Nikes. Oh, boy. Those were so dope. <laughs> the Air Max so 97s dope. that came out the next year in all gold. Reference yeah. to that, one of the more popular Nike Air Maxes to this day. To this day. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, commercialism works on us occasionally, but uh, <laughs> but this, I don't know. This just seems, I, I could totally see, speaking of all gas, no break, I could totally see <laughs> capitalism just going, oh, yeah. just fucking jamming this one through, yeah. just being like, we're getting this thing done one way or another, yeah. with I mean, or without especially, you, COVID. Especially if, if Trump gets reelected. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh. The xenophobic patriotism is going to be off the charts. But isn't there, there's already like a problem with the IOC in the US potentially because of Trump, right? Like, oh, really? where, yeah, like because something he's doing. Oh, yeah, it says US could be thrown out of Olympics over Trump funding threats, World Anti Doping Agency warns. So, because the, the mm. Trump is threatening uh, to pull funding from the World Anti Doping Agency. And they're like, mm. okay, well, if you do that, then there's a chance we, you will not be allowed to compete. And I know they right. don't want that because that's like the one moment where Americans forget how trash the country is and are like, you see, look at us. Especially after this year. My oh, God. yeah. We need that shit so bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, we need a win. We yeah. need one in the yeah. W. And, yeah. I, and I need all those like very sappy pre-produced packages talking about like the, <laughs> the fucking struggle of this young man from this land, like from this country who came here for the American God. dream and is now making his foster family happy, whatever that is. It's always the same yeah. shit. But like we NBC really- NBC is so good at that shit. I know they have like a contract through like 2050 or whatever, but they're so good at like whipping up those packages. It's Oh yeah. The wow. Chloe Kim one for when she won her snowboarding medal. Uh, the last Winter Olympics in 2018, I was like, I, can't, I, I see it, man. I see it, man. Her parents are doing everything for her, and she's trying to do right. But, uh. So, yep, shout out to the producers of the pre-produced packages. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And... Uh, let's talk about fires. There's a fine coating of dust, uh, around the entire Western half of, uh, America right now. There's fires in Washington. There's fires in Denver, Southern California, Northern California. And so what one story that I wanted to look into is there's a like contrarian, environmentalist who is typically like he's not just a total you know right wing quack he is kind of generally accepted to be on board with the findings around climate change but he's claiming that 
It's not just global warming. It's weird. because So he's saying that it's more complicated than just global warming is happening. Landscape dries out. Fire's bad. More global warming equals more fires. There's like a uh, an aspect of it where people were for too long fighting against forest fires and making sure there were no forest fires, which just led to too much growth and too much fuel being built up. And, you know, this person's point is basically that like the native Americans used to the largest fire seasons in the history of California, for instance, happened when indigenous peoples were actually like actively burning controlled fires to uh, keep things from getting too hot. And the sort of surplus of fuel that came about because people were, uh, were fighting against even small forest fires uh, have created fires that are so hot that they actually destroy forests, like actually kill the forests. Whereas like normal controlled burns, uh, make it possible for the forest to replenish themselves. Um, but so it's getting a lot of burn in conservative uh, circles. The, this idea of like people are, uh, the, it's just like a counterfactual conservative side of the climate debate, quote unquote. But it's like, it's not, he's not claiming that the climate isn't a factor. Like the climate is absolutely a factor and he acknowledges that it's like a larger, it makes for a longer fire season. And I don't know. It's just like, there are plenty of like the, the whole point about the native Americans is interesting because they were using controlled fires to create these large uh, burns that would make it so that fire season could be something that they controlled and now, like, we don't have those options available to us because people live in too many of the places that they used to burn. So now it's basically we have a more out of control and longer fire season. Like, that's not good. And most people are acknowledging the complexities that he's like trying to be like, nobody's acknowledging this. Um, so. I don't know. It's just something that is coming up a lot as people point to the connection between climate change and this sort of out of control uh, wildfire season. But yeah, he's not advocating that he's like, so relax on the climate change stuff. You <laughs> he, know. he kind of is. Well, and then I think that's pretty disqualifying for any person yeah. who's trying to present a scientific opinion. But I mean, yeah, I guess to your point, he's walking this very... I was reading his Wikipedia page and he calls himself an eco pragmatist. Yeah. What? Uh, That's what his whole thing is like. I'm just, I don't want, he, he's worried that by including false claims or exaggerated claims in environmentalists, like, you know, commentary or uh, what he calls activist journalism, the environmentalist movement is disqualifying itself among like people who, you know, pay attention to this sort of stuff or who might not pay that much attention to it. But it's, he's going too far, especially with this argument. He's like taking it too far in the direction of this, uh, you know, and his peers are saying that. It's not just me being like, you've gone too far, sir. Uh, his right. peers are like, no, like he's kind of being misleading with the way he's talking about this. Mm. Um, so, so do we um, rake, so do we rake the leaves or not? 
<laughs> so <laughs> that's one of the things he points to as being like people scoffed at that, but it was actually like talking around a true fact. It's just, you know, he Trump is such an idiot that it sounded dumb when he said it. I mean, it sounded but, quite literally like he was talking to Gavin Newsom like it was his 13-year-old stepson. Right. And he's like, he what I say about these leaves, you got to rake these up or we're going to have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wildly misunderstood the true fact that <laughs> more fuel leads to uh, more out of control. Rather than you're not doing your chores, Gavin. <laughs> yeah. But the... So part of this story, I think it, it ties into it, is that a... I've also seen people be like, well, it's not that climate change is the cause of the fires. It's Humans. people, human behavior, doing shit like gender reveal parties, which is... Oh, gosh. That's... It's a very dumb way of approaching Wasn't that it, happening so. last year, too? Yep. It happens so last everywhere. Year, yeah, it happens. Wow. It's happened before. Uh, and Arizona, so they, there was one that was awful, I remember. Yeah. California, there's been at least two. So this one in particular was happened uh, while it was 116 degrees in Pasadena. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and people this- are want to set off fucking bang bangs in the fucking dry ass, like parched environment just to be like, this fetus has these genitals. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Celebrate these genitals. Yeah. Like it's... I, 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 <laughs> It, what the funny thing is, like, it's brought in now the this this woman who is a blogger who apparently is like credited for starting the gender reveal party like fad phenomenon. Uh, oh, her name God. is Jenna Carvanitas, and she like went on Facebook like begging people to stop doing it, like some mad scientist who's like it, creation had just gotten out of hand. But it also <laughs> like reads really not very sincere. This is what her Facebook post said: "Quote." Oh, my God. No. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) For a very impassioned plea for the people. Uh, The fire that evacuated parts of California is from a gender reveal party. Stop it. Stop having these stupid parties. For the love of God, stop burning things down to tell everyone about your kid's penis. No one cares about you. It was 116 degrees in Pasadena yesterday, and this tool thought it would be smart to light a fire about his kid's dick. Toxic masculinity is men thinking they need to explode something because simply enjoying a baby party is for sissies. Oh, and of course, I'm getting hate messages. Excuse me for having a cake for my family in 2008. Just because I'm the gender reveal inventor doesn't mean I think people should burn down their communities. Stop. Then puts, edit. If you agree or don't hate this post, please do not put angry or sad reacts on it because Facebook punishes pages who get those reactions by limiting their reach. <laughs> Facebook wants puppy pictures and not anti-gender reveal screens. Like, oh, classy. I like you start yeah. off and then you're like, because Facebook algorithm. <laughs> like, what? Yes. what? what? Yeah, so, so I'm guessing they're having a boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Because I was like, your kid's penis, that's presumptive, but yeah. okay. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Do we know? Do we know for sure? It's uh it's really I it's weird what her what is her defense exactly here? Like she it but if it were a reveal for a girl or whatever female genitals that that would be okay but like but it's but it's a dude celebrating the a boy so it's toxic masculinity like I feel like her she could have started off with like yo honestly gender reveal parties like even being a thing was an L. 
like society. Trying to save the brand. Yeah, yeah. That like I mean, I shouldn't have put that shit out there. It's toxic and regressive as fuck. Actually, <laughs> when I think about it, that's the thing, and not not being like, I'm sorry, I made a cake. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I get what she's saying about the fact that you need to include explosives in a that it baby went shower went from right. cake to like tannerite in a right. forest. Right. <laughs> yes. Um. And I. Yeah, it is just funny to add some SEO, <laughs> some search engine optimization at the end. Yeah. Um, like, what is so her biggest fear? Was it really that she was going to take a stand on these? Or, guys, like Facebook punishes pages that get those reacts on their posts. Like, come on now. Um, don't be frowny face about this post that is, <laughs> in fact, infuriating in every way. Yeah. Um, well, guys, I want to take you inside uh, oh, no. the home, oh, no. one of the many homes of Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so this person who used to be on her staff, who uh, is remaining anonymous because they don't want to Because her sued. life could be in danger. Right. So I'll, I'll just read from you the this uh, interview they did with the Daily Mail, who, you know, we... Upstanding not, not journalist, source, but uh, <laughs> still, still interesting. The Daily so, Fail. They said Ellen was a hero of mine. I thought she was an amazing person, but before I took the position, people were warning me not to take it. I was told she had very high turnover and that I should stay under the radar as much as possible, avoid as much direct contact with Ellen as possible. Working there was described as being more like a boot camp. So that's what she hears heading in. I do love that turnover, like that we talk about like a toxic work environment, the result of a toxic work environment and uh, people quitting all the time sounds like just a, a fun pastry. Um, <laughs> but then she says, when I interviewed with Ellen and Portia, I felt much better about the job. They were both charming, funny, and perfectly lovely. I was a little bit nervous, but it was well paid. So that's, you know, that's not surprising. We have seen that side of Ellen for yeah. our entire, for her entire public career. Yeah. Uh, the harsh reality of the quote, degenerous regime soon became clear after she started. <laughs> uh, the staff is confronted each morning with a laundry list of passive aggressive notes, listing what the entertainer didn't like about the previous oh, day. Oh no. That's wow. the thing that I'm most struck by in this interview is the level of energy that has to be uh, expended by Ellen to put this much negative negativity out there. Yeah. Um, so violations included a chef using a guest toilet. So basically the help a maid forgetting to put a piece of trash in the recycling. Ellen is terribly obsessive. Uh, and if anything's out of order in her environment, she gets upset. There might be 20 to 30 things every day. We're talking about the finest, finest details here. A salt shaker out of place or a light switch left on. Uh, a salt shaker out of place really is giving me uh, misery, like Kathy Bates and misery vibes, where it's just like that thing is slightly tilted to the wrong in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, well, part of that, I just remember how she just messed up James Conn's legs. Because I think I right. saw it like when I was way too young. I think I saw it when I was like five, like in the 80s. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about <laughs> this, y'all. Was there a moment? Was that like when he's trying to escape or some shit? I think when he's trying to escape, he knocks over a chess piece uh, and then puts it back. But he puts it back <laughs> the facing wrong the wrong direction. Oh, I love that shit. And that's what gets his uh, legs 
That's my favorite uh, villain thing of like when the person thinks they're smart, but they have every detail like pre mapped right. out. And they're like, ah, da, 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 <laughs> that that labels slightly askew. Yeah. Um, the staff was getting better and better and making fewer mistakes, but she couldn't help herself. So she would lay traps. She would actually leave matchsticks around the house behind cupboard doors, cushions, or books to see if the staff was cleaning and moving things. One day, the staff found around eight of them all in weird places. The rest of the day became a race to find them all before she got home and fired someone. Oh, my um, God. Jesus. That's really yeah. fucking just it's like shows that you have such a fucked up relationship with people who are in your employ, you know, or like yeah. that. You're like, well, if I pay you, I can I can do whatever the fuck I want because I'm giving you money. And that means yeah. psychological trauma through these matchstick fucking traps i mean you've you've got her staff at work saying these same kind of her having these same kind of control issues and now it's at home too like what was the thing about the porsche blink twice if you need us to get out yeah right (laughs) oh i think she fired people for not liking the consistency of the latte foam the (laughs) um because the machine was dirty or some shit yeah, she wanted the coffee maker deep cleaned every day after complaining oh, that there was geez. too much or too little froth on her latte, um, which doesn't trying- really relate. Like, those things don't relate. That's the milk steamer, Ellen. Uh, also. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, your barista you is lying some, to you. Yeah, like, wouldn't you have some assistant or PA do oh, that wow. at work or something? That just shows you how right. disconnected she is from the latte making process, that her right. staff lies yeah. to her. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll deep, clean, we'll deep clean the coffee machine then. Yes, then you yeah. should deep clean every time. <laughs> the latte foam was a mess. And it's like, oh, I don't even know how that uh, fucking latte foam's made. When someone came to the house, for example, to repair an appliance, she wouldn't hold back. It could be something as simple as... The compressor on the refrigerator making too much noise. That is that's a detail that I'm just like, okay, this person's telling the truth because like you can't make that up. That's absolute <laughs> like there's something that just rings so true about that. She's like, the compressor. One of the top security firms in Hollywood terminated their contract with her. Some of the criticisms that this source heard were that Ellen didn't like the way they walked. I'm not even kidding. They literally didn't like the way they walked. She literally didn't like the way they walked. Also, how they opened and closed doors. What, like opening, closing I get, because that's like a thing. I grew up, my grandma would be like, don't slam slam that fucking door or some shit. Or like, you're too loud with that door closing. But opening, like- stomp around the house or anything. Yeah, exactly. But what, are people entering like fucking Kramer and Seinfeld? Like, that's how they're opening (laughs) the door? Like, this is all stuff that I have- Seen like people who are really on bad terms with their roommate. Like I've heard them like yeah. start to complain, like call them like this person's like a thunderfoot. They everywhere they they just like stomp around, and it's like yo, that's clearly because you're just like annoyed uh, by this person. Right. That's not that, they don't have especially uh, large feet. powerful footfalls. Yeah. Like they're just um. What one detail from the article that I wanted to point out though is that Ashton Kutcher is apparently one of the people who has tweeted in her defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and her team have only treated me and my team with respect and kindness. She never pandered to celebrity, which I always saw as refreshing honesty. I just wanted to note that via listening to uh, way too many hours of podcasts, I heard a anecdote about Ashton Kutcher from somebody who 
is like a successful writer director in Hollywood, but one of their early jobs was working for Ashton Kutcher's um, viral video site. Uh, mm-hmm. They they made that uh, viral video in which the girl has diarrhea in the hot tub. Um, that is a staged prank video made by Ashton Kutcher's team. Uh, but anyways, this writer director <laughs> got fired by Ashton Kutcher's like main right hand person and asked why he had been fired. And per- the entourage member said, uh, Ashton hates your face, bro. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's right. Oh, Ashton Kutcher did create punk. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, wow. You know. Oh, and then super producer Anna Hosne in the chat says, Ashton Kutcher also told Demi Moore that he didn't think alcoholism is a thing in order to get her to lose her sobriety and drink with them. That's right. I remember you talking about that yeah. in that book. Yeah. Wow. So, you know. I think that's the thing. Like when you're living on that planet, it's hard for you to see that it's any different than how you are. You're like, I don't know. Like from all the rich people I know, like Ellen's pretty chill. Yeah, like, she I don't pander to celebrities. I mean, yeah. I'm a celebrity. I don't know right. anybody with an income that's less than four million dollars a year, but right. I'd imagine she would treat those people okay as well. Yeah, totally. Um. Anyways, uh, the like these details are just like I I don't have any like not that i really doubted the complaints before but these details are just like too like dead on for me to like think that any any of this is made up i would love though that this is just like the best coordinated smear campaign (laughs) like everyone's like yo these details are just too good to be fake and she's like i'm telling you i'm kind like it's a coordinated attack against me i'm just curious about the psychology where you get that I would, is it because she's so rich that she feels omnipotent and therefore everything should be in her control? Or is it that like, is it from lack prior to this that now the pendulum just gone completely the other way and knocking mm. walls down? It's like, I didn't have anything. Now I will have everything I want. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like how I could, you know, if I worked for Ellen, like how I can maneuver that space. How you could win. Yeah. Uh, Power corrupts. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But like, Power I'm corrupts. assuming this is all like pre-pandemic, right? Yeah, I mean, the stories of her have been long, or, you know, anecdotal tales since the early aughts, yeah. from what I could tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know how it happens or, you know, whether we're just hearing from she's especially uh, dedicated about about how about treating people like mm-hmm. the the discipline to write a list every day that has like 20 to 30 fuck ups from the previous day uh, that you know, like that takes such energy. Oh like, you, yeah. And that helps you feel superior too. And you don't right. have to look at your own inferiority complex. If you spend your time looking for the deficiencies outside of yourself. Right. Yeah. There's something, you know, that's the, that control baby, you know, and you mm. know, Jack and I apologize. I will get that coffee maker deep clean for you. Uh, I, I know the latte <laughs> foam was a little off, but I'm telling you, that's not where it comes from, but I will clean the machine nonetheless. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Maurice, it's been so fun having you on, uh, today's episode of the daily zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah. So, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my username is Maurice cherry, M A U R I C E C H E R R Y. Also, my website is marischerry.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Hmm. You know, Twitter has been very interesting these past few days. Uh, I'd say probably particularly today I was reading something. And this is not really, I guess, 
what I would share as part of this, but like it was something around Odell Beckham. I'll just leave it at that. I was like, oh, that's ugh, interesting. <laughs> um, but I, I saw a tweet, I think it was just floating around somewhere where uh, someone was saying that uh, they feel like there's just one set of clippers for black Republicans and they have to check it out like a library book. <laughs> and I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. Hands uh, down. They've all got kind of that set. It's, it's either close cropped or it's like that weird, like, 90s fade. It's that shit that your when, mom does. When like you, it's, it's when you don't go to a black barber shop and you go to where like you're the conservative part of town. You're like, I don't know, the barber there seems to know how to cut my my hair. You go to supercuts. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Like, oh boy. Great clips for hair or some shit like that. <laughs> Sports clips. Got scissors. Like it. It all works the same, right? No, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexander, talking about 90 Day Fiance. I have a few tweets that I'm really liking. Uh, first one is, but uh, this is from at Sarah Papalardo, at your Papalardo. I'm going to let my children set their own wildfire when they're old enough to decide for themselves. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Uh, this is from at Jurassic Park to go, Jurassic Park updates. So this one's. Yo, yeah. this is the tweet. Some of these fuckers are way too big. I just love this. <laughs> this is stupid. Uh, and then a lot of people were tagging me in different uh, Ben Shapiro jokey quotes. Uh, and so I'll give you a little bit of Ben Shapiro voice. This is from at GTE00. Uh, this is saying, hoes, I got the gorilla grip pussy. Ben Shapiro. Gorillas are nine times stronger than a human. If your vagina could apply the same pressure as the grip of a full-grown silverback gorilla, the damage to a human penis would be devastating. The cock would be completely annihilated. <laughs> That's really good. That's yeah. really good. You should you should good. speed up a little bit at the end because he kind of does that thing where when he's yeah. hitting the sentence. Yeah, baby, you're right. You're yeah, right. he kind of tries to get it out. Yeah. Like he'll do that. Yeah. He doesn't have breath control. He didn't take vocal lessons. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. couple tweets I've been enjoying. Soul Nate at M. Nate Shyamalan tweeted, got to get my steps in for the day, I say as I march directly into the sea. Um, <laughs> and then MacGyver, uh, MacGyver, the Andrew Nadeau tweeted, my least popular conspiracy theory is that orchestra conductors don't actually do anything. Some guy just shows up and says, okay, I'm going to direct you. And the musicians play the same, but treat it like a Make-A-Wish thing and are like, that's great, bud. You're directing so good. Um, wow. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore Brian. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we riding out on? This today? is a track from an uh, artist I've, you know, not played anything from them before. I just came across this recently. Sasha Rudy is the artist, S A C H A R U D Y. And the track is called Be a Man. And it's just got this like spooky, uh, like sort of retro R&B, but also with some good like futuristic production. And you know the vibes I pick on these songs. They feel you familiar yet forward facing. Uh, and yeah, it's just kind of cool. He has a nice soulful voice. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, just check it out. You know, let's let's, let's ease into the week. It's a short one. Mm. 
All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. To be a man. I am easy to be alive. I thought I was high, but it seems I'm not. I swear I did my best, I gave all that got. All that got. I got hypnotized by simplicity. It was prophesied when I was just a kid.